This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This month, Downfall of Gaia will release their new album, Ethic of Radical Finitude, via Metal Blade Records. Ethic of Radical Finitude is the quartet's most melodic, structured, and dynamic release to date, and once more builds upon the epic and unique sludgy, crusty, exploratory, metallic sound that has organically evolved with every single release. Purchase your copy now at metalblade.com slash downfall of Gaia. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody? It is I, your host, Petter Speich, and I am always joined by... My name is Brandon Gooch, hon, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy Gooch. And... My name is Jocelyn Sharp, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, at Jocelyn Sharp. Who gives a shit? No Everyone does. I'm way prettier than you. you. I'm a way better follow. Way better. And you guys can follow me at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, big interview. We got Mark Morton. We're here to talk about his solo record, Anesthetic, which is coming out March 1st. But before we jump into that interview, guys, let's talk about some of the Metal Sucks news. The Grammys happened, and every year, usually our hearts are just crushed and broken. But this year... There's something positive here. There's two things that are positive. A, High on Fire won Best Grammy, if you guys aren't aware. We're sure you all are. And that is a universally acclaimed, loved, and goddamn one of the best metal bands of all time. That is a great thing. Another great thing on us on a personal level, when you look at that Grammy card, we interviewed every single one of the nominees this year. Yeah, we yeah, did. We yeah, did. that's right. Take that, other metal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not really talking about We shit. don't even know you exist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's not really an insult. It's because it's, you're hard to find on iTunes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know when you, you got these little bucket list things that you think you'll never see, but like when we saw that card, I was like, holy shit, every single one of those bands we interviewed. So that's a cool moment for us. And then let's get to the Grammys we all know. See, that's the thing. For so long, I have had a callus around my heart when it comes to the Grammys that I, it's like I wasn't even happy when High on Fire like won. It was, a, like, it was like, it's who like, cares? You fucked, you fucked metal over for so long that this is, this is just too little too late. It's like having a boyfriend for six years who beat you for six years, and then one Valentine's Day, he's like, let's go to Dave and Buster's. <laughs> You're like, what? Are you going to play ball? That is a white trash goddamn comic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Dave and Buster's after six have years we, of beating. Have we not established that I'm white trash? No. Uh, I, 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 no, 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 no. First off, uh, half of us have, Pete. Half of us have. <laughs> so the callous heart around the Grammys, guys, this year once again stung us very badly when Vinnie Paul, Dallas's own, Vegas, his second home, you know, for a long time, got completely snubbed. And a personal friend. I and mean, a friend. Yeah. I known the guy. He was a good dude. The lack of inclusion of someone like Vinnie Paul, a lot of rock people, a lot of metal people, really took this to heart because – you don't really get bigger in the metal scheme than, you know, Pantera, really. Right. I in mean, music, I think that's the thing is, like, when it comes to Pantera, I think that you can, like, they transcend genre for me. Like, I feel like everyone knows who they are. I agree. I agree. Like, obviously, if someone from Metallica passes, you know, if someone from... But for a whole decade, though, Pantera was the bar. And they where, were. They where, were the bar. They were the bar of all rock and metal music. With Pantera, like you said, their, their importance, but also they, they did the things you need. They sold records, a lot of them. They sold millions and millions of records. 
Um, they have hits that are still played across, you know, like walk is played everywhere. And they are probably, like I said, there's a handful of metal bands that are super, 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 super important. The worst part about it is, is when you watch the montage, 80% of the people in there, I didn't know who they were. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you know what really makes me upset is you know they're going to put in, like, one-hit wonder rappers and shit when they die. Like, you know, like, a few years from now, it'll be like, oh, you know, Snow. You know, like, you're going to see that dude in there or something like that. You know, third base. R. You know what I mean? Snow. He yeah, melted. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's like you're going to see some garbage-ass band like that, you know, like CNC Music Factory. Here's, you know, and it's just like, and, that, and that's, that's going to be the people that we're going to be paying homage to. But meanwhile, Vinnie Paul who's one of the best drummers, best dudes, and, like, if you just talk to anybody in the metal scene, the metal community... Or rock. Or rock. Metal dude, or rock. he was... Like, the one thing that I just want people to know, like, Vinny would go to all the local rock shows, okay? You name another... And watch the show. And watch the show and buy merch and talk to him. And, yeah. fuck, and then... Dude was at Nightwish. Yes, dude. Legitimately. Yes. Take pictures yeah. with every single... He would take pictures for two and a half hours with people. Just yeah. standing, genuinely smiling and talking to them. And that... that these, I, that's why, like, he should be, the, it's like Metallica, Pantera, there's like a few other metal bands that are on the Mount Rushmore of music for me. It's not about the genre. They're on the Mount Rushmore of music. They change the landscape. And for Vinny to not get anything is just a travesty. Right. I mean, that's, that's all we can really say. Everybody feels that way. But let me ask the secondary question. Why do us as metal fans, we know how the Grammys are. We know what you said. There's a lot of truth to it that, like, if Snow passed away, that's the guy that sings Informer, right? Yeah, yeah. Informer. Okay, yeah, I'm just making sure. Yeah, yeah. Like your boom, boom down. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> that piece of shit. That guy's hey, going to get immortalized hey, hey, hey. We're, forever. We're not going to call him a piece of shit. Okay, I'm not wrong okay, with him, but the I, point is. Let me is. retract the piece of shit Why don't you, Licky Boom Boom, calm down? Yes. Yeah, Licky Boom Boom, calm down. Look, Snow, if you're listening, it wasn't personal. Why do we... Why do we, as metal fans, want the Grammys to acknowledge metal? Because you when, just, they, when they don't, and the music that they do acknowledge, for the most part, we as fans really have a distaste for. Well, because so why do we want to be part of the club? The be- one thing it kills me because in the Grammys, the one thing that they always want to sit there and put on on the ledge is something that's not even that difficult. It's nothing that original. It's just okay. It's got a good sound. It's got a good beat to it, but it's not an original song. It's it's like I could I could take that I could take that little riff that you did. And I could find that in seven different tracks. I just want my, mine, they're all mine. I want my favorite metal musicians to be able to pop bottles and fucking roll up in limos like everybody at the Grammys does. Maybe the endorsement of the Grammys would give metal bands a chance to actually make a real fucking living at this. True. So let's move to a, a happier story, a cover song story, if we may. Last a couple weeks ago, guy, there was a, <laughs> there was a band. They're called Appalachian Death Trap. And what they did, guys, is they're from Jacksonville, and they took the description of the Golden Girls as what their bound sounds like. So a lot of people may have not heard about this story, but it was at, if you went to visit Augustine.com in Florida, the description was, although the, all the members are male, their songs tell the story of four older women who have been divorced or widowed and are now roommates. This week, they covered the Golden Girls theme song to jump onto that trend, which I think is hilarious as well. But if you guys had to describe this podcast in a magazine or journal, what description of a TV show would you guys want it to be? Two men and a baby. Okay. That's a movie. <laughs> That's a movie. And it's three men. Yeah, what the it's fuck, three Joss? men and a baby. <laughs> I was born in 88. I don't know what to tell or you. Or are you going to be three time. men and a little lady? So <laughs> let's really get this straight. I'm here. good with anything with Tom Selleck. Yes, yes. Yeah. Tom Two Selleck and a half men. Life. I have a large clip. Uh, let's see. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
Is not, that the half a man or two men? Yeah, I'm the half man. I'm <laughs> okay. the half man. No, no white trash at all. No white trash. No white trash. Exactly. That, joke, that joke was classy. classy. Exactly. I got a backhand to the face, and then we went and played some skee-ball. <laughs> got an eraser. Um, I got an eraser. I'm trying to think here. Like, what TV show would this one be? Okay. Uh, let's see here. Three's um, Company. Oh, Three's Company. Okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We can be I, the I, facts of life. Pete would be... Uh, uh, the dude, and then I, yeah. would, I would probably be the one chick. Which uh, Susan wow, Summers? Susan you're Summers. Good at this. Yeah. yeah, you'd be Susan Summers because you're dumb. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would do. <laughs> that'll do it. I would do two two seven. Two two seven. Love it. Yeah, dude. That is a reference. Jaws is completely clueless. I don't know what it is. Oh wow. You need to watch. You need to watch some two two seven. Yeah. You don't remember Jack A. No. I used to actually record that on VHS and watch it with my brother later. I don't know I, why I love 227 I understood so four of those words. <laughs> yeah. You know what's sad is 227 was probably my first introduction into the black culture. It really was. Really? Like, yeah. Because Cosby sure well, in the Because you lived in it. Ohio. <laughs> like Cosby was like, hey, we're rich and everything. But like 227 like brought up some of the issues. And I'm trying to pretend like I understood him when I was You're eight. You're like, mm, I'm deep. <laughs> I'm so deep. <laughs> Explain to me, Jack. Hey, what's the problem? I just thought it was really funny, man. Yeah, that, but that but, and for some reason, my two dads. I, I mean, I was like seven years old, but I would record the shit out of my two dads. <laughs> I don't know why. My two dads. Then it was with Paul Reiser and some other dude. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm switching my answer to uh, Perfect Strangers. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Pete's cousin Larry and Jaws and I both are Balky, so it's uh, uh, put together. <laughs> yeah, put together. We're both. <laughs> now th- these guys did this for the Florida Tourism Board, so we were gonna actually pitch this to a, a, a different tourism board. We kind of renamed last week and got some heat over, so why don't we play that bit for you guys? People have a lot of misconceptions about AIDS faucet. But none of them are really true. None of them. They think we're all surfers. Or celebrities. That we're all into yoga. Every AIDS faucetorian. Known's a winery. Or a skateboard. Woohoo! And that we all drive convertibles. Where do they get these ideas? Like how we all live in bikinis and act like rock stars. You want to know the truth about AIDS faucet? Get out here. We'll show you how we roll. Start your trip and visit AIDSfaucet.com.au. <laughs> and now I still think it's funny, but like people to get angry about that, that is so absurd. Like, oh. come on, man. Comedy you, is hard these days. Comedy is hard. Now, obviously, we're talking about California from last week. If you guys didn't hear, we we're talking about the California. Which, tattoo. by the way, accurate description. <laughs> I'm not saying it's an accurate description, but it's absurd. What's dude, funny and if is you're from that, California and that hurts your feelings, dudes. If on. I explained What's Cali- Vegas? You if, guys can call anything on Vegas, dude. Yeah. dude. dude if if I, California's the AIDS faucet, we're the AIDS trough. We're the AIDS well. We're the AIDS drain. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a tourism thing about Vegas. Oh <laughs> my God. Trough. Oh the joke's man. probably dead. We got to come up. Yeah, we got to come up with something better than that. And to be fair to California, AIDS faucet did start originally as a joke about Adam Levine's dick. So yes. Yes. if yeah, yeah. you get upset about it, it's just because you identify with Adam Levine's yeah. dick. Yeah, exactly. Blame Adam Levine's dick. It's his fault. <laughs> it's his fault for him. It's his fault for moves like Jagger. So we have reasons to hate him. Yeah. And making fun of California, that's never going to get old. Never. No. Yeah, because no. you guys live in the most beautiful, funniest land, state. You know? Funniest state in the world, Florida. California's California's very close. Yeah. But you know what else is quickly gaining ground? And I see this a lot. Mm-hmm. My home state, Ohio. Oh, Ohio. Oh, wow. It's Ohio's getting real wacky over there. Getting, well, they got the opioid <laughs> crisis, and people are just getting fucking nuts out oh, there, yeah, nuts. dude. Nuts. Yeah. Like, my hometown of Toledo, Ohio, bro, it's like... Every day, it's like, am I re- am I reading a, a news a newspaper from Escape from L.A.? You know what I mean? Are you, so, so your your hometown would be would be AIDS economy because you need a boost. <laughs> my yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, 
AIDS economy for sure. That was like a dad joke and a and a double down built yeah, into one. It was bad. It, it was. was so bad. AIDS economy. Go away. Go Hold away. on a second. No, no, no. Nope. nope. It deserves this. Yep. Double down. Yep. You double Look, down on yeah. that one. For anybody that doesn't bad. know what a double down is, is when you take a joke to a, a point where it's not funny anymore. Most likely, I will do that the most because I'm not the funny one here. No, but no, no, no. See, oh, you guys, I, you no, guys actually. Uh, Gooch is the king it, of the double I down. T- I take, but at the same time, though, let's face it. You guys thought chicken dick was a double down. You guys are this is the dumbest thing ever. When I played it, you guys. I didn't say you that. You guys were, your guys' face, Jocelyn, you must have rolled your eyes. You're like, what in the fuck? This is who I chose to do a it's show with? It's just my default reaction to you as a person. Yes. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> more, more emails than anything was chicken dick. Thank Everybody you. Yes. loves chicken Everybody dick. Everybody loves us. chicken yeah. dick. Hashtag chicken dick 2020. Guess what, uh, It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> You're going to do a chicken dick 2020 like a. a yeah, we're going to do a I'm going to do a chicken dick 2K. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. All right, guys. Time for Devil's Advocate. Who's going to be it? Oh, Who is it for? Uh, I'll do it. I'm not telling you. Oh, that's not, not fair. You. Wait, I like being Devil's Advocate. It's the funnest. You are not good at it, though. Oh, you're right. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Emir's frontman, Frankie Palmieri. Palmieri, whatever. Palmieri. All right. Uh, All right. And, and that's Calm why. Down, now, Mario. I don't, yeah, I didn't know. If, I didn't Calm down with that. Well, you did it first. I was trying to. I was trying to get. I thought I was trying. Yeah, to... Yeah, but you didn't have to wave your hand around like you smelled I, spaghetti. I was trying to correct Pete's <laughs> enunciation of it. Palmieri. <laughs> Now, he uh, recently dissed the new Static X 20th anniversary of Wisconsin Death Trip, the tour that is going on with the, all the surviving members, Scratch Wayne Static, saying that it's obviously just a cash grab. Now, you did use the word diss, which is a word that was predominantly used when uh, they were really popular. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I'm going to use those words. Hey, I'm stop, the, stop I'm dissing me, man. Did you not hear him earlier when he said he recorded a show on VHS? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> stop dissing me, you jive turkey. You might hear you might hear me say jive. You might hear me say, oh, that's sick. That's that, whack. I might do that. Oh, oh yeah. whack. I do that's whack. whack. Yeah. yeah. So anyways. Um, Wiggity whack. He stated uh, that he thinks it's a cash grab. Now, he was, Amir was on tour with, Wayne Static when he did his solo record. So they had some sort of relationship there. But the point is, is that I do feel in a lot of ways that it is kind of a cash grab. Now, kind of. Okay. <laughs> I'm the devil's advocate. So Dude. you guys all agree with me? Dude, there's a guy, there was a guy in a band and his last name was Static. He's no longer in the band anymore. And they're like, fuck it, we're going back out on the road. Like it's that Static X was not like the Ramones when every member got the last name but Static. Tony Tony Campos wrote all the music and songs with Wayne Static. That that's documented that they were more of a band, even though Wayne was the Dude, figurehead. Wayne was the one that fucking spiked his hair up ten feet tall. He you know, he had the look, he had every when you think Think of Static X, you think of that dude. I'm sorry. It's like it's the it's the same thing with Guar, where it's like I know they're still touring, touring, and I don't want to tear them down. But dude, Odorous is was Guar. Yeah. He was Guar. And here's the thing: reunion tours are always a cash grab. You don't like get back together with parts of the band for creative yeah. stimulation. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to redo this, but I only want to interact with two of the people. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it doesn't make sense. Damn, you guys suck at Devil's Advocate. Oh, you're supposed to be Devil's Advocate. You were supposed to be Devil's Advocate. I thought you guys would be pro the tour. No. No. Shit. No, first off, we have to establish roles first. I know half my head is shaved and I have purple hair, but I don't, I'm not like salivating for a Static X tour. So now I have to be, okay, so now I'll be pro Static X. So pitch something to me and I'll answer. Okay. So what is the, uh, what is this tour in a lot of ways they're going to, shit. Wow. 
No, I know. I'm trying to think of something pro here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go, dude. So it's why not, are we the assholes? Yeah, yeah. First off, you gave us the hard roll. You're yeah. like, all right, take on the pro. All right, what's the pro? Well, let's see. Your static X, they're going to be able to sell a couple of T-shirts. Some of their diehard fans are going to be- I guess four locals will get popular again. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tony Campos the way the band, job. How, how's this? How's this? The way the band fell apart. And the fact that everybody knows that Wayne Static and Tony Campus did not talk, who they all blame Wayne Static's wife, Tara Ray, and then since has committed suicide, there's this dark cloud of just put this project to bed. Yes. And I don't think there's a, like, for me, I, I don't feel, like, really, like, comfortable looking past that kind of, I don't know, bad ending. You know, and there was something beautiful there when all those guys were on stage back in the day during Wisconsin Death Trip. I saw them live many times. I saw them on Machine. I saw them on Star War. They got really good music, but I always, like you said, felt that Wayne Static is irreplaceable. He's like an odorous when it comes to that band. So make a new band. If you need to make music that bad, make a new band. Static, why? <laughs> but that's the thing. <laughs> 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 that joke was stupid. It was great. It was Dude, perfect. Yes. The timing was on point. Mm-hmm. Boy, where would you have gone with it, Pete, huh? And what you would probably wouldn't have went yeah, with Yeah, like, would you have gone AIDS economy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> static AIDS economy. I'm not buying it. I am not buying it. Oh, Tweet us. Are yeah. you are you team hashtag static Y or hashtag AIDS yeah. economy? Pete had Pete had Pete struck gold with AIDS faucet last week. And he was just riding high on the hog, yeah, and now he all of a sudden a here comes reality. Wham. <laughs> he got a double down today. Really? Like woof. I, I I killed my own joke. You did. Yes, yes. All the sadness <laughs> of it all. No one likes that. No one likes it. No one likes. No one. No one liked your joke. <laughs> moving on. Moving on, guys, to uh, another story that I, I really thought somebody here in the room would be like, "Yeah, the static kicks, That's great. We get to relive." But I, I mean, yeah. No, no, yeah. Pete. You see, you got to understand I something. Was, I was also I, like. 13 when they were popular. Like. Yeah, Jaws and I remember to bring our brains. So sometimes that's not the case. No. But today I we're on I exclusively know Static X from energy drink commercials and car commercials. Mm-hmm. Like That's where I know them from. You realize that every time... I was a child. Yeah, every time somebody pops a wheelie, Wayne Static gets his wings. <laughs> I'm smiling. This... Yeah. He's on a roll. He's, He's on, on a roll. You're on a ching. Good job. <laughs> Whoa. That was snare, snare, sim- symbol, but I, I think no. I said ching. You, you nope. said pa-ching. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> that wasn't snare, snare, symbol. Nope. Nope. Jaws had my back 100%. You're on the other hand. You're like, mm-mm. <laughs> no, he tried nope. to give you a rim mm-mm. shot, nope. but he went pa-ching. The rim shot Because is... that's what drums sound like to Pete. <laughs> so yeah, pa-ching. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Phil Demmel. Who saw this coming? He was on the Talk To Me podcast. If you guys don't listen, always check out Talk To Me. Josh Josh Toomey is a great dude. Anyways, pa-ching, pa-ching on that. <laughs> but he was on the Talk To Me podcast, guys. And uh, who didn't see this coming? Phil Demo. He's not a fan of Catharsis, the last Machine Head record. What? And he said that Machine Head became a Rob Flynn solo project, which I think this kind of was something that we all kind of knew. That's why the other dudes left. You Did know? we not call this when we, we first talked about it? We called it when the record came out. Yeah. We were like, uh, that record is not good, and this is going <laughs> to have some repercussions. And you can just tell it was not a, a good thing. Now, however, he did finish out the tour, which he thought was weird, but that's really cool of him to do that for the fans, Phil. And uh, obviously, Machine Head to me, though, now here we go, has always been a Rob Flynn solo project in a lot of ways. I, I remember when Adam Deuce left back in the day, it's because 
he wouldn't Rob would not allow his songs into the band. And Rob has led that band into some some murky ass waters, mm-hmm. and then he's led that band into some amazing ass waters. The problem is, is that when is he going to learn to listen to other guys when he's going into the murky waters? He can't. That's yeah, part of his process, that's, right? That's my question: is maybe the badass waters were when they when when he was listening to the other guys, and the murky waters is when he decides to get real solo Look, about man. it. Well, according to Phil Demo, that is not the case on Catharsis. <laughs> I, I just think I just think what happened was is he was probably to him he was probably running in circles, probably thinking that. He wanted to come up with something new, get himself, get his creative juices flowing. And, you know, and then he he ended up fucking up. I mean, it's like that happens all the time. I think the next record, I think he'll get back to business. I don't know. It's like. I, I, I don't think so. No. I, I think I think Rob Flynn's on a. on a. I think this almost, is what he wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. You think this is poop from here on out? Well, Flynn? not poop because we're not seven. The way, I, yeah, the way it works for me, as, as if you guys don't know, is, is going to be a Dookie Patty. <laughs> I, I'm, I think Machine Head has put out phenomenal records throughout their career. I'm not saying everyone is, but I think the records I'll listen to the rest of my life. Catharsis, I, I really, really didn't enjoy, and it was 75 minutes, so it was a lot of work for me to get through the, and I listened to it like 10, 10 12 times. However, Dude. when you bought the DVD, or when you bought the CD, there came a live DVD that I've watched and loved a million times. So I'm not not going to buy the next record. However, if the next record is like Catharsis, I won't buy the one after that. What I ha- give every band two records. What happens if he does a cover of Nookie? Because <laughs> that's where this is headed. <laughs> that's where this is headed. But he doesn't even change it. He right. just straight up sings just straight it. Up, he's just basically got the same exact song, just singing, you know, you can take that cookie. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that you said that as a joke. But it's so close. And I, I bet, so like, close dude, to what's happening. I mean, there's a, there's a track on there of people aren't familiar called Triple Beam. And I mean, that's Nookie-esque as, yes. as hell. And mm. they put out a video. And I remember I'm like, there's no way the guys wanted that video out there. Oh. Or a lyric video or something like that. I'm like, But he, he's all about it. You could take that Triple Beam and stick it up your aim. Yeah. Shut up. That's, how, that. that's how I feel about, <laughs> that's how I feel like with Phil Dummel. That's probably how he feels. You ever like, when you were younger, like go to a party and get into a huge fight with your boyfriend or girlfriend? and then be embarrassed and break up with them the next day. Oh, yeah. That's how I feel. It's like, I'm so embarrassed that everyone saw this thing we did that we can't be associated anymore. Yeah, there's no moving on anymore. (laughs) Society, the fact that society's eyes saw us in our true form, we can't do this shit anymore. Have you guys ever been in a situation where you're like, the product you're putting out, you are not proud of, but you have to just fucking grit and bear it? Well, I do this podcast (laughs) called... No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) He's talking about the old rise to offend. The old (laughs) rise to offend. Not the new one. The new one's so goddamn good. Here's the thing. Uh, Look, yeah, we've all been a part of projects where, you know, you can't really quit right away. Because a lot of people are like, oh, you don't like quit. But you know, it's you'll not be, like that. It's not like that. You're going to be. You, you make know, a you, commitment. That's yeah. like it's such and a shitty human being behavior to just. I don't like it. Quit. Yeah. No, you make a commitment. and You follow it through. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. You make a commitment to your friends, to the, to the people that are bleeding with you, crying with you, sweating with you. I mean, it's like, dude, it's like making it's, a podcast with Gucci is very sweaty, bloody, and teary. It definitely. <laughs> it can be that. Uh, no, yeah. no joke about the tears. Right. <laughs> sweaty, bloody, teary. <laughs> Stop on by to AIDS Boston. <laughs> Is that a double down? Yeah, yeah, I feel like we can't was, do any more yeah. AIDS jokes I for at least it, a month. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's done. Double All right. down. All right. Oh, my God. I I am the only one who had the secondary AIDS joke that, that landed this yeah, podcast. Good job. Good we we job. completely shouldn't good have brought it back. We good should for have me. let it be. Yeah. Okay, let it be. Next story, guys. Before we get into our interview with Mark Morton, guys, we have got confirmation from Slash 
that Guns N' Roses are working on a new album now. Now, did he call us on a conference <laughs> call? Okay. He's like, Pete, Gooch, I feel Jaws, like, I feel like it's buckle a, up. I feel like he only FaceTimes. <laughs> exactly. He goes, guys, are you sitting down? Where well, you better be. Guns N' Roses, we're you know, making another record. All you see is his nose ring. <laughs> yeah, his nose ring in the brim of his hat. <laughs> He's that guy that doesn't know how to FaceTime quickly move the phone back. What did Jocelyn call the new record? What's the name of the new record going to oh, be? Oh, uh, Japanese Socialism. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Loving it. I'm ready. Hire yes. me, Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. I can write for you. That's actually hilarious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dutch oligarchy. Dutch oligarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Kenyan monarchy. All right. Okay, okay. There's a ton of them. We got them all. I'm not double down any of those. That was, no, good. That was a good roll. I'm keeping it. Even though Joslyn, I'm going to tell you monarchy. the last one should have been, it could have been a I'm double down. I'm pretty sure Kenyan, Kenya actually has a monarchy. So. Yeah, it's all yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. So we'll just call it Kenya. It's all good. <laughs> that could be completely false. We don't know what we're talking yeah. about. Nope. We really don't. But Never so, do. anyway. Most of the time, we don't. <laughs> But we say it with conviction. Yeah, you know? and, and people know most of the time yeah. we don't, I think. Um, <laughs> Are you going to ask us if we're excited about this new Guns N' Roses no, album? No, but if Slash confirms it. <laughs> no, wait, wait, for, okay, Pete. First off, we are excited about the new Guns N' Roses. Pete, come on. How are you not? Be, be the devil's advocate. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> how, am I, how am I not excited about the new Guns N' Roses, Guns N Roses album? It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm sure. And, uh, but Slash confirmed it because that guy, he put out with his solo band. He's like, every two years, I got a new record. He's got so much material. 70 minutes, each one of those records. Slash puts out songs and records and he, does he puts it, out good rock records dude. and he does it quickly yeah and he knows how to be like let's get in there and let's do that we all know the factor is going to be axel because he's a perfectionist as we learned through the last 20 years but the, the point is, is that if slash is confirming it that means there's been a compromise somewhere. see this is my thing i think what's going on with slash's other bands when you when he was dealing with like miles kennedy and the conspirators and then um those, those, he was always writing like radio songs. Yeah. They were all like three, three and a half minutes. Well, Guns N' Roses' best songs, all of their best songs are like four and a half minutes beyond. So I really do think that him getting back in with Axel, like Slash will bring that pop rock, you know, well, he'll bring that like popular rock sound and he'll make it sound good. Like he'll bring that Slash sound to him. But I just think that he's going to make it consumer friendly enough that it could be successful. Exactly. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, and I think Axel will be the one who brings in that. You the know, rock like, edge, the rock yeah. edge, but but also like you know the parts where the the, the, the music dies down and then all of a sudden it comes the back dynamics. Up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one thing with that band, dude. A- it Axel's was like, all drama for sure. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I don't think that Slash would. These guys are vets and pros. I don't think they would confirm that they're working on a new album if they don't have like concrete plans. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? And I agree with exactly what you said. And I also feel that. You know when I knew Axel was down for the compromise and to put out a record is when they were touring and they played Slither by Velvet Revolver live. When Axel's willing to play a song by their other band, you know they're getting along and it's on a different level. You know, and that's what I think happened. I just think happened back when they broke up. Drugs were probably heavily involved. Money was heavily involved. And youth. I mean, let's face it. Everybody probably thought that they were the shit, especially Slash and Axel. They're like, oh, I'm the reason why this band is here. And then Axel's like, and then Slash's like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm got a pretty big hand in this as well. And it would just clash. And then when Axel wanted to take all the money for the merch, I mean, that was just a dick move. Yeah, but after that tour, it's like, dude, you guys need to ride that momentum. I think it's official that Gun. But who, I, who do you think's bigger at this point, Guns N' Roses or Metallica? Guns N' Roses. Guns, Guns N' Roses will yeah. always be bigger because yeah. Guns N' Roses. Because they don't have loads and reloads in St. Angers? Well, I think, you know. <laughs> I think that's a fact. No, that is a fact. I think it's a fact. That is a fact. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't Chinese democracy is nowhere near. Like, Chinese, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, Chinese democracy, the reason why Chinese democracy is viewed as, like, you know, a failure 
failure or whatever. I don't think it's viewed as a failure, but it's just it look, is. man. When you wait, but when you wait twenty twenty five years to release a fucking record, you know, what I mean, there's no way it's going to meet those expectations. It wasn't there's that just long. No way. I mean, it's just saying like fifteen yeah. twenty or yeah. something like that. But I'm just saying like when you wait that long to release this record that has been talked about the entire time, you know, like like yeah. like the name Chinese Democracy was out for years, just the name. Yeah. And then finally it came out and we're like, okay, it's good. It's not, but it's not, is, is it, is it appetite? Is it use your illusions one or two or lies? You know, Guns and Roses is just a different vibe than Metallica too. You know what I mean? Like that's like, you know, there's a lot more. There's a different, I'm going to say it. There's a different talent level when you see them live. Yes. And there on top is of a, that there, too. There is a, a, a much different scale. And also let's not forget too, when you saw Axel, when you saw Guns N' Roses back in their day, the danger element was there. There was the theatrics too. Yeah. It was back in the day when you don't put on a rock show without making it in a show. And that's my thing. Like Axl Rose, the one thing with Metallica, and it's one thing that I do like about him, is they they come off like, hey, we're just a bunch of lucky dudes. You know I me? Mean? Hey, we're just like yeah, kicking down it, to you know earth. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And but Axel, on the other hand, like you could tell, like, I believe I am the fucking greatest thing in the world. And when you put out songs like he has written. And you have that attitude; it just adds to the mystique, Songs? dude. The fans, the fans, they will gravitate towards someone, towards somebody with the a god mystique, complex, mystique like Tool had and all that stuff. Yes. That is so important to have an image and not be accessible to fans. I think to reach that level of Guns N' Roses. I've always felt that way. Yeah. Well, in Metallica lyrics and songs, there's a couple of them that are part of our zeitgeist, but entire albums of Guns N' Roses are part of our zeitgeist. Ooh. Jesus Christ with the zeitgeist. Yeah, buddy. She said it. She meant it. She meant it, and I'm, and I, and, and, I, and I'm confused. But my thing is, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn, dude. <laughs> All right. That is a 25-point Scrabble word right there. That's what that is. <laughs> Come on down to AIDS, Fawcett. <laughs> no, no. Double down. Double no, down. that's not a joke. It was just me talking oh, about Oh, you're inviting no. people to yeah. California. <laughs> totally different. Or are you inviting them to Adam Levine's dick? <laughs> <laughs> Either way, guys. Buy a plane ticket, take the ride. Right? I want him to have a good time, so come to AIDS Trough. Vegas. <laughs> All right, guys. And with that, let's jump into our interview with Mark Morton. Everybody, what is going on? It's better with the Metal Sucks podcast. On the phone, I got Mark Morton. We are here to talk about his new solo record, Anesthetic, which is coming out March 1st. You never sat down and said you wanted to make a solo album but wanted to do something outside of Lamb of God for sure. So when did making it a solo project make sense to you? Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a process, honestly. It, it kind of started with me just collecting material that was pretty clear to me not going to fit into the context of Lamb of God. It wasn't necessarily right for that kind of framework that we work in. So, but I felt like the songs were worth developing, so I played some of them for my longtime producer, Josh Wilbur. And he agreed that they were worth kind of digging into. So we started doing that, and Jake Oney got involved on a, on the business side, and later later on a little bit on the creative side as well. And sort of the the project kind of gained, you know, got, we got a little identity for it, and gave it a they gave these songs a destination. Really, is how it came together. Cool, man. Now I want to bring up Josh Wilbur because I know he was a big influence on this album for you getting it created, but he has been Lamb of God's producer since Wrath, if I'm not mistaken, and everything going forward, correct? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. He worked on, he engineered uh, quite a bit on Sacrament as well, so he's been with us for a long time. Yeah, so how important was it finding the perfect producer for your band and also for you? 
You know, I think Josh is a great fit for us. He just he's kind of one of the inner circle at this point. It's he's just so talented. Um, he understands what you know what we're trying to do pretty much as we're trying to do it, and so he helps us refine that. And he does all the things a good producer does. He's also you know we also have a personal relationship. I mean, Josh is one of my best friends. We talk even when we're not working on a project together and keep up with each other that kind of thing. So it's just a real comfortable environment. And it's also, you know, it's also very productive creatively. Uh, it's not to say we haven't had great experiences with other guys before. I mean, certainly our work with Machine, I feel like, stands out in our career. Machine's fantastic. And I've done some work with him recently as well on some outside stuff. So, you know, it's it's not necessarily, I, I don't know, different different producers have different work styles. And it's all just kind of what kind of rhythm you get in with somebody, what kind of dy- dynamic you have creatively, I think. Solo projects from guitar players, in a lot of ways, you're, you can go the instrumental route, like Jeff Loomis or how Nita Strauss did this year, or collaboration with like Slash did a couple years back, or even Dave Grohl did with like the ProBot thing. So for you, you wanted to go the collaboration angle. Why did you choose that over like an instrumental record? I think for me, it was clear going into this, and even before it kind of had an identity that this was sort of a result of me songwriting, not so much. It wasn't super guitar specific. I mean, it's rock music and metal music, so it's guitar driven, but it wasn't a chance for me or, or something I wanted to use to show off my new licks or, sh- you know, just kind of shred over. Um, I would run out pretty quick. But yeah, it's more more about songwriting. And, you know, I write a lot of lyrics for Lamb of God and I wrote a lot of lyrics for the Anesthetic Project. So just kind of a chance, the opportunity for me to explore that stuff in a more kind of rock state of mind than, than not not as much the thrash metal kind of thing. Gotcha. I mean, this album is as it's got a diverse cast of characters and plays where every song can be a single. Is creating songs with different personalities more challenging, or is it just a different feeling? I think to me, it was the letting the songs be what they were. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to sound kind of too out there, but the song is just something I hear in my head, right? So I start documenting that idea and, and essentially teaching myself to play what I'm hearing. Um, and that's kind of how I write, whether I'm writing rock music or blues stuff or, or Lamb of God material. I just listen to what I'm hearing in my head and kind of teach myself that as if I were learning it from someone else's album or something. So the song is what it is. And then it was just once we kind of had the song structured, and laid out, Josh and I would sit back and listen to who we thought would sound best on that song. And that was our process of picking the singers and, and the players a lot of times as well. My favorite track right now currently is Access with Mark Lanigan. It's got like an Americana kind of feel to it, but it also has a, an amazing outro solo by you that's just full of groove. Now, tell me the specific track and how you got Mark involved in the project. Uh, yeah, gladly. And I, I want to correct you. That solo is the actually only guest guitarist on the album. It's Mark Ford from the Black Hoods. Yeah, and the and the uh, well, thanks for thinking that was me. That's quite a compliment in itself. <laughs> now, Mark's one of my favorite guitar players, and it was it was awesome to have him on the album. So, Lanigan, uh, one of my favorite singers, had never worked with Mark Lanigan before. Didn't know him. Certainly knew his work. So I just kind of reached out, cold call, and. Asked if he would be willing to listen to a piece of music I was working on, and if he, you know, see what he thought, and if he wanted to work on it with me. And to my surprise, he 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 dug it, and he was in. So it was pretty much that easy. Wow, that's cool. Um, and the results are great. I mean, the song evolved quite a bit once we got into it. 
Um, but it's one of my favorites as well. I just think it has a really unique kind of style to it, and it's sort of a little bit of a 90s kind of pulse to it, I think, um, which, which I, you know, is special to me. Yeah, no, I'm of that time frame too, and it's crazy because my next question is about the Black Crows, man. Uh, I'm a huge Black Crows fan, as you just brought up Mark Ford, and I had no idea that he did that solo at that song, but I consider them one of the top ten live bands that I ever saw in my life, and I've seen them many times when they were active, obviously. And you also got Steve Gorman and Mark Ford, as we just mentioned, on this album. Now, were they familiar with Lamb of God and your work prior to asking them to be on the record? (laughs) No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I think Steve had, it, it turns out that Steve has a good friend. Um, cause Steve and I, since, you know, haven't worked on this together, we actually keep up. Um, you know, he's, he's a really funny, cool dude. So we check in on each other every once in a while, but he has a friend that is a Lamb of God fan. So he was, he knew of the band. I can't say that, uh, I don't think Steve would pretend that he was versed in our material. Uh, he just knew we were a metal band and I think a buddy of his was a fan. So, you know, when I reached out to him, he told me he was a little, you know, surprised that, that I would be looking for him. Um, he even said at one point, are you sure you got the right guy? I was like, yeah, for sure, man. Like, Black Crows is one of my favorite bands, period. Oh, and definitely period. favorite rock bands. And I've, you know, seen them multiple times and I'm very familiar with their work. So when we got together, it was a, it was great. We all, me and Steve Gorman and Mike Inez got together um, in a studio out in L.A. and uh, we worked on songs together that day, which was really awesome. They play on a couple of the same songs. And, uh, yeah, it was just a really great experience. I mean, Steve Gorman is my favorite living drummer. And that's what I told him when I asked him to do the gig. I was like, man, I just, I just love you playing, man. And I just want to see if, you know, you'd be interested in working on something with me. And he checked out the tunes. And once again, he was in. I was like, wow, this is, this is getting easy. <laughs> I got to tell you, the only drummer that, the only drummer that reminds me of Steve Gorman live is Jean-Paul from Clutch. You got him on the record, too. But they have that same, I don't know what it is, man. They seem to do so much so fast, it's hard to keep up with them, <laughs> if that makes sense. They do, and they're both, I, I, I always feel a little bit guilty when I say Steve Gorman's my favorite living drummer, because JP is, is in, you know, I don't know, but it's neck and neck. Cause JP is amazing. Man. He's got a pocket and a groove like nobody else. Dude. And it's just, it's awesome. I get to play with him on a fairly regular basis. We kind of jam together, um, in the project that you hear on the album in a song called reveal. That's, that's kind of a band we have that we get together and jam. So, um, I get to play with JP a fair amount and I'm really lucky to be able to do that. He's amazing. Yeah, dude. No, they, they're similar to me. I'll tell you. And there's one more guy I saw with COC back in the day. I forgot his name. He was in Galactic. But those three guys, for some reason, I'm like, I've never seen drummers like them. They, they come from a different school. Let's not like downplay Chris Adler. Come on, he's amazing too. But <laughs> I'm just talking about like the rock for side sure, of things. For yeah, sure. yeah. Now, well, you know, or Ray, Le- Ray Lazier or oh, yeah, or Mayorga good... or you know, just oh, the, yeah, dude. bunch of a bunch of great drummers on the album. Alex Bent, you know, it just. I could gush about all of them. That's very true, very true, man. So let's talk about vocalists on the project, though. Um, was there any vocalist or musician, I guess, who intimidated you to work with? Not really, man. Um, I just was so excited. Like, I mean, the couple ones that I was just like, I don't want to take away from anybody else, but to, with the, I hadn't worked with Chester before. I hadn't worked with Mark Lanigan before. Um, so I didn't know how that would go. 
Um, but I can't say I was intimidated once I got into the studio with Chester and we started writing the song and working on it. I mean, it was just such a smooth and easy kind of process and we were vibing so freely that there was really no, there was nothing to be intimidated about, really. I mean, his level of celebrity is, is one that I'm not used to working in that kind of proximity with, you know what I mean? But uh, that kind of goes out the, the door pretty quick. And um, Chester was just so honest and so plugged in and so genuine and cre- and really motivated and creative and prepared and a million other adjectives I could throw at you. He was just really awesome to work with, like real, real talk. And so any kind of pretense or anxiety I might have had, um, a little bit of just kind of got balled up and thrown out the window. See, you know, your question was, I intimidated. No, I mean, I guess, I guess not. I, I thought maybe I would have been, you know, in, in hindsight, it's easy to think I might have been, but I, it really wasn't. It was really smooth. Yeah. And Lanigan was great. Everybody was great. You know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, a lot of guys on the album that I was friendly with or knew Jacoby. I've known for years. Chuck Billy's an old friend. Randy's one of my best friends in the world. You know, I don't want to leave anybody out, but it, yeah, it was just, you know, it, it there wasn't ever any real conflict or ego or attitude or any kind of crisis at all. It was it was pretty pretty positive experience, top to bottom. Now you are going to tour the record. You're going to start March 13th with Light the Torch and Moon Tooth, and you're just going to go for about two weeks. But you haven't revealed the performers going on on stage with you. Uh, can you tell us? Uh, Mark Morales from Sons of Texas. He's also on the album. Yes. Um, will be my singer. And Doc Coyle from Bad Wolves uh, will be playing second guitar. And Nick Villarreal from Sons of Texas, also from Sons of Texas, will be playing bass. And Art Cruz, uh, who's been filling in for Chris on a couple of last Lamb tours, and he plays with Prong and he'll be playing drums. Now, last time we spoke, we got to speak last year when you guys put out the Burn the, the Priest record. You, you did say that you were very into hip-hop and rap. Reveal has that vibe and feel. Now, how important was it to have a track like that on this album for you? Hmm. Reveal does, really. A little bluesy. I thought it was a little kind of bluesier kind of thing. But I think um, it's got a lot of groove to it, for sure. I mean, I think that's hopefully through and through. Reveal, to me, was appropriate to put on just because it's, like I said, it's some people that I jam with. It's a regular thing. We write and record songs uh, on a, on a, you know, as as often as we can, kind of thing. So that's uh, unique on the album in that that's a live band in a room with Mike set up playing the song, where the other stuff is more kind of studio. It's not that we didn't play it, but it was done more kind of in a studio way, fashioned in that way. Whereas reveal was like set up and jammed. So that's cool. Um, it's got a different feel to it for that reason. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of another tune for me. It's an, it's another side of, I guess, music that I like jamming and, and, and want to hear. Did you think about collaborating with any maybe rap or hip-hop artists on this record when you first thought about it? No, I don't think I... I no, I don't think that... Uh, I don't know if the world's ready for me to to dive into hip-hop. Song. I love him. <laughs> but, um, I think I'll. I think I'll stay a fan of that. <laughs> I'll just think I'll. I'll keep that in that in that space. Yeah. No. It totally makes sense, man. That separation matters for fans, <laughs> right? It's it's very important. You, when you get in there, it gets a little, a little bit tricky, man. I'm with you on that. So now, I, I mean, you know, I like theater as well, but I'm not going to go write a play. I'm just going to sit in the audience. So you do 
vocals on one track though and it's called imaginary days did you do any training or coaching or did you always have that voice <laughs> in you <laughs> thanks man no I did, I did not have any vocal training. i did not have any vocal training um no that's what i sound like singing um that was fun it took me a little bit out of my comfort zone i'm used to singing on demos a lot even for lamb sometimes when i write choruses or a verse or something like i'll do a vocal demo of my idea play it for everybody sing back up on some lamb stuff so when we were doing the anesthetic tunes i was doing vocal demos for some of the ideas and imaginary days was just one of those where i had written the whole song and demoed the whole song we just kind of got used to listening to it and thought I might have another artist performing on the album, but as it turns out, we went with uh, my version. But, you know, thanks for the question. That's quite a compliment as well. You sound great. That's why I, when, I, when I, originally I didn't see that um, you guys released who was singing. I was like, well, Mark can probably sing these tunes. And I was wondering if you would sing them live on the tour that's coming up. But have you guys ever thought about maybe in Lamb of God for you guys to, to you do more singing maybe in that kind of band? Or does it, do you feel it doesn't fit? Oh, I don't know. It's yeah. nothing I've ever even... Um, you know, we did a song called Overlord uh, yes. a few years ago. It was a single, and we played it live some. And it was kind of a more mellow song, and Randy was singing. You know, we all know Randy can sing now, and uh, he always could, <laughs> but now we've showed that a, on, a little bit in a few songs, and that was one of them. And I was singing harmony on it, and that kind of thing. And I don't know. It was cool. I just, you know, Lamb's its own thing, and yeah. no, I don't want to sing for that. God, I, I got Randy Blast. And exactly. No, I'm with you on that. Because, uh, yeah, we learned Randy can sing. Was it? I thought it was the Duke first. No, it was. It was before that. It was on. It was even before that. It was he before. Sang, that. Uh, there was a clean. There was a clean verse on. Uh, I want to say on Resolution, one of the tunes had a had a clean verse. That was the first time he actually really sang something on an album. Anyway. Yeah, dude. I, I I thought King Me for some reason, but I'm like, no, it wasn't that. But anyways, yeah, it, it don't matter. The I can't think of the name of the song. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I'm doing good remembering what album it was on. But yeah. That's true. That's very true, man. So let's talk a little bit about Lamb of God. You know, we, we, it is still your main project 100%. You've stated that already. Now, um, as a writer, though, can you take a lot of the stuff that you did with your solo project and kind of put it into Lamb of God, or is it completely a different style for you? No, I mean, that was the point. The whole point of the solo album was because I had you know, tunes that I just wouldn't work in Lamb of God. They just wouldn't, you know, those squares wouldn't fit through that circle. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to, you know, I, there's, there's, I wouldn't want to take a song like Imaginary Days or Reveal or Axis or something like that and try and force it into some version that fit through the Lamb of God filter. Um, so that was the point of Anesthetic was to give these kind of ideas a destination. But for Lamb, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's my main thing, of course. still feel like we have a lot to do, more to say. I was actually I'm working on material this morning before before you called. So we've got a bunch of new material coming together, and it feels good. It feels really good. Nice, dude. I don't want to interrupt you during Lamagon songs. I apologize for. You know, so, <laughs> I hope I didn't. That's uh, cool. I was expecting you. I was expecting. You. Cool, man. So now I re- I remember growing up and like just to stay in Lamagon for a second, and bands would always hype the next album. And they still do as heavy and the most brutal that they've ever done. But we are in the, some yeah. angry times. So is that going into the writing of the new Lamb of God record? Or is it just going to be organic like the rest of them? Um, I don't know. It remains to be seen. I mean, I, I assume you're talking lyrically. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it just remains to be seen. It's I know Randy's Randy's got a lot of him on his mind as usual, and you know, we'll see. You know, we'll throw a bunch of stuff to the wall and see what sticks. I don't think it's it's not to the point yet where I can tell you there's any kind of theme or concept. But I will say that historically, um, times such as this make for great uh, heavy metal and punk rock music. That's for sure. Absolutely. When you guys were coming up, that was like such an amazing scene because of the times that we were going through. I remember that it felt so, so vital and so important. And I feel like we're exactly in a very similar time. I am, I'm a proponent for history repeating itself. Do you guys have a best guess for maybe when a new Lamb of God record would, would come out? And like I said, this is just ballpark. I wouldn't even venture a guess, man. As soon as I say something, it'll, it'll, it'll be inaccurate. So, no, I, I mean, I wouldn't. You know, I saw that there was something being tossed around that, you know, maybe by the end of the year. I don't I don't know. It just depends. It's so early. But, I mean, there is, there is a ton of this, what I call raw material, sort of resource material. But we still got some weed and food to do and developing it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, as you can see, like with the Tool record, yeah, it's going to be a headline no matter what you say. You can say maybe September. It's going to be like boom everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm no, not, no worries. Not getting that. that headline out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get a headline about anesthetic, man. I love the record. I want people to come out there and make sure they pick it up on March 1st. So with the live show, are you guys just going to kind of do the whole record in its entirety? Or do you feel like you're going to do some extra stuff? Yeah, we're not sure yet, honestly. Mm. We're still kind of working. we got a bunch of ideas about that bouncing around, too. I mean, we're very much... A, it's it's a band, and it's, you know, I want everyone... It's not like I'm saying, play this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, this is what's going to... You know, nah, it's just a great group of guys that all have a lot of experience. They're all great players, so... It's, you know, we're still kind of developing what that's going to be. That's evolving the idea of how the show's going to go. You know, I don't think we're, I don't think we're going to do the, the album top to bottom, but we might end up playing everything. There's some talk of maybe doing some covers and that kind of thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Awesome, dude. Are you going to give us like a 10-minute guitar solo by chance? <laughs> no plans to yet, but, you know, <laughs> that's your vote. I'll throw that in the hat. Too. Dude, I'd love to see a Mark Morton guitar solo. I'm just going to say that. I'm sure there's fans out there listening being like, that would be awesome. Dude, I just want to promote it one more time. <laughs> Everybody, make sure you guys check out the record, Mark Morton, Anesthetic. It's coming out March 1st. And hopefully, I mean, with this project, do you feel maybe there will be more solo projects in the future? Because this, this took a long time for, to put together, but you're still going to keep writing songs like this. Yeah, I mean, it did take a while. I, you know, I don't know. I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Uh, I'm not planning on, you know, let's, I want to get, I'm excited for this one to come out on March 1st. I'm really proud of this project. I love how it turned out. The people that I got to work with, the opportunity that I had to make music with, with these folks was just, I mean, just awesome. And... I'm really grateful to have had that opportunity. So I'm just stoked on this right now. It was it was a great uh, experience, really positive experience for me. Um, so I wouldn't rule out doing it again at some point. Excellent, dude. So everybody, make sure you catch the tour. Check the tour dates in America starting March 13th. And with that, Mark, dude, I want to thank you so much, man, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Hey, no worries, man. Thanks for your time. Appreciate the support. Now, before we get to the song, I want to remind you guys that this show is sponsored by Rockabilia. Need to stock up on some of your favorite band's merch? Go to rockabilia.com and put some on your wish list. They're the one-stop shop for all your band merch needs. Need to buy a gift for someone and know what bands they're into? Pick up something from Rockabilia. You won't be disappointed with the selection, and you can get 10% off with the code PCJabberJaw. So head on over to rockabilia.com and use the promo code PC Jabberjaw and save 10% today. Crush up the day's gone. 
Metal Sucks Podcast. guys and we are back first song you heard is off of mark morton's solo record anesthetic that song is called cross off featuring none other than chester bennington second song you heard is called truth is dead featuring randy bly and Alyssa from arch enemy make sure you guys pick it up anesthetic is once again is coming out march 1st next song you heard is from a band called kings destroy guys that song is called barbarossa and their new album phantasm nira is going to be coming out march 8th killer record definitely check it out if you guys have a chance 
And with that, I want to thank you all once again for the five-star reviews that we see on iTunes. That little click, guys, it means the world to us. We really appreciate that. And all you guys that keep coming over to support us on our other podcast, Rise to Offend. Got a lot of hate mail about Floyd Mayweather this week, but you guys listen to his story. It's different than you think. Go check us out over there right now. And with that, until next week, my friends. Guys, keep on zeitgeisting. Mm. I gotta zeitgeist a- away. <laughs> I gotta leave. I gotta catch a red eye to AIDS faucet. Oh, <laughs> the Jesus. Metal Sucks podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.